Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm a friend of the bee. As you know, we've talked about it before uh, here on the air, and our bees are in trouble, and we need to do what we can here. But let's find out what's going on. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada says the health of bees and their crop pollination and honey production is vital to the environment and the economy. We know that. They go on to say, in Canada, the production of canola seed is by far the most economically significant crop that's produced with the contribution of honeybees generating $12 in farm gate value in 2021. And we know bees have been hit hard recently. So let's get an update. Let's find out what's going on. Has it gotten any better? Has it gotten any worse? Why did it get so bad? We're going to chat with Dr. Rob Curry, who is a professor at the Department of Entomology at the University of Manitoba. Dr. Curry, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we've talked about bees before, and we uh, last I heard about 50% of the bees in Alberta, and roughly about the same number across the country, didn't survive the winter, right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty close, pretty good estimates for Canada. Uh, the uh, overall uh, sort of mortality rate was around 46%. And okay. Um, here in Manitoba, where I'm uh, located, it was 57%. We had the distinction of having the highest losses in the country, so... And what happened? Why did we lose so many bees? Uh, it was really a confluence of a whole bunch of factors, and uh, you know it varied depending upon uh, where you were, kind of in the country. Obviously, the climatic uh, differences and other uh, factors uh, vary across Canada with our diverse climate and everything like that. Here in Manitoba, I, we had a, kind of a, a summer with a, a really uh, dry yeah. uh, set of conditions. We had a lot of forest fires. A lot of smoke in the air that uh, prevented bees from flying in the middle of the summer. Um, the drought itself uh, really affected some uh, colony development uh, last summer. Uh, going into the fall, there wasn't a lot of forage available for them. Uh, some of them weren't able to sort of build up their, their normal uh, populations that they need to uh, survive going through um, the winter. And then we had a bit of a, a kind of a of an extended fall um, that actually created some broodering at a time when it normally didn't, which uh, ended up um, sort of hiding to a certain extent some of the mite populations that were developing, and uh, you know maybe extending the length of time that uh, those mite populations could develop in the colony. So we got a lot of uh, really high mite levels in some of the colonies. There's a, a particular parasite called uh, varroa mite, and it's uh, called varroa destructor because it's uh, so damaging. It's kind of, uh, in in terms of the relative size, about the size of having a wood tick the size of a dinner plate on your body, and you can imagine that uh, sucking out your blood. It does a lot of damage, and, uh, you know, uh, when it reaches levels high enough, it uh, is uh, fatal to the colony. So um, I think a a lot of the problem was associated with uh, varroa mite. It in, in itself also transmits uh, quite a number of viruses and other pathogens uh, inside the colony. So, uh, you know, even if you kill the mite, sometimes there's uh, a lot of residual damage potential left from the viruses that were transmitted by the mite. Um, and, and that, I think, in combination 
with what was not uh, a really wonderful winter uh, caused uh, a lot of the, the, the sort of overall wintering mortality that we saw in the spring. So is some of this stuff cumulative? You mentioned smoke and how that affected the bees. And I was just thinking that this is the first summer in Edmonton that, I don't know, it's got to be in four or five where we haven't had choking thick smoke from neighboring forest fires. Um, is, and we've seen it summer after summer after summer for a while now. So can this some of this be cumulative when we get to a point now where it's like, oh my goodness, half the bees are gone? Uh, it's sort of a cumulative in one sense in that um, in in terms of the the whole bunch of little yeah, uh, things right. that happened last summer, it was kind of like death by a thousand cuts, right? You're you're kind of if if you had one of those things without all the others, you know, you would probably end up with a lot better bee survival. But last year, you know, all the ducks lined up in a row, and and unfortunately that toppled everything over. Um, but in terms of does a, a forest fire last year uh, have a lasting impact on what's going to happen next winter? Probably not. So, gotcha. you know, it's, it's kind of a, a more of a uh, sequence of events that would happen over about four to six months, maybe, that would have an impact. But uh, Last time we did this story, we talked about trying to rebuild the bees in Canada and how difficult that can actually be. Has that gotten any better with importing bees from other areas? Is that something? Uh-huh. Are we making up some of that loss? Uh, that's been a huge problem as well. Um, you know, there's a, been a bunch of supply chain issues that have really impacted their ability to uh, repopulate the colonies that did die. So uh, normally um, we're able to uh, purchase um, essentially packages, they call them, of bees, which would be a, a box or a, a tube full of bees that would have, you know, 8,000 bees in it and a queen, and you can kind of pop that into wow. a, a hive and repopulate it. Uh, we usually get those from New Zealand, but uh, because of uh, issues associated with the supply chain and pandemic and everything else, yeah. um, the uh, supply has not come through the last couple of years as reliably as it has in the past. Uh, the um, sort of uh, numbers of bees we've been able to get from other places have been um, restricted. The um, producers normally buy queens and things like that, and if you have a, a really kind of a high loss, they can often make that up by taking their existing colonies and split them, but uh, this spring was just brutal in terms of the, the weather, at least here in Manitoba, and uh, you know the conditions weren't such that you know, if you had a, a colony that you could really split it as effectively and, and grow more bees to sort of make up for your losses. So <clears throat> as a result of that, um, you know, our, our, certainly in Manitoba, our colony numbers are, are quite a bit down this year. Is there anything we can do? I got a, a listener says, I live in the country. What can we do to uh, to help the bees? And what if you live in the city, you live in the country? Are there things that we can do? The, you know, the, probably the best thing that you can do um, if you live in the country or the city is to uh, make uh, sources of forage available to the bees. Uh, you know, the bees feed on uh, the flowers and they derive uh, nectar and pollen that they use to sort of grow and develop. And if they have a succession of forage throughout the year, so, you know, you don't have that sort of nothing happening in August that, that caused the problem last year in terms of the, the bloom because of the drought. You, mm-hmm. know, you have a succession of forage available throughout the year, particularly you know if you're in the city where there's not a lot of uh, forage available. That's probably the single most important thing to do. Um, other than that, you know, being uh, cautious if you're uh, having to uh, control insects on your crops, which is necessary. <laughs> if there's no crops, the bees don't have anything to forage on either. So, you know, you, but if you can do that and uh, spray them at a time of day when the bees aren't active or maybe uh, choose a compound that is 
um, still going to be effective but less hazardous to bees. Uh, those are things that, that a farmer could do to uh, help out the situation and also, uh, you know, have plantings of forage uh, available around the the margins of fields yeah, or yeah. if you've got fallow fields that are, you know, or areas that aren't in production, you know, having uh, some some source of forage available for the bees would be a way to help out. Great tips. Doc, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today.